All right. You do your thing. Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading youth ministry. Our hope is that you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in ministry. I'm your host, Boss. I'm joined by my co-host, Dusty. Yeah, yeah. And Nick. Hey, I, what Dusty, what was that? <laughs> you don't like that? I don't know. Hey, it's good to have you here, though. That was an awesome intro. Hey, before we get into our conversation for today, Dusty, why don't you explain why we called this free refills? Yeah. Well, first, as a youth pastor, it doesn't matter if you're full-time or definitely if you're part-time, you love anything free. And I don't know about you, but I don't go to a restaurant without asking, like, is this is this refill? Like, do I get free refills? Um, but I think the truth is, is we're not naturally as as people, especially youth pastors, we don't naturally refill ourselves. Um, yeah. In in a term of self care, um, I think I think self care is important, and doesn't matter any line of work. But if you're going to be a youth pastor, you got to make sure you are doing taking care of yourself. Um, and so, obviously, podcasts are free, but we want to give you a space um, to have a time to where you unplug and be able to hear about other people going through real life issues in youth ministry and letting that refill you. Nicely put. Like we said, each month we're going to have a special guest join us for, for our conversation. We're excited about this month's guest because it's our very own Nick DeMonte. Nick, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Was that weird? That was weird, but I'm okay with it. That that's who Perfect. we are. Are weird, right? I, we're, we're, I, I had a background. I, like, I was going to start beatboxing. Nick, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about like just even like, your location, just in case we got some people that are joining us for the first time today. Yeah, so um, I'm from Reno, Nevada. Uh, as much as Boss will say Nevada, it is Nevada. Um, and I love to point that out and mess with people. But um, don't come yeah. at me like that. No, we're good. Um, so yeah, Reno, Nevada, or Sparks, Nevada. I'm in a smaller suburb of Reno, but most people don't know where Sparks is. Um, so I've been here my whole life. Went to Biola University, um, met my wife there, came home and got lucky enough to get hired in a church in my hometown. And um, that was awesome. awesome. So I've been here for almost eight years now. And wow. Yeah. So today we wanted to have a conversation and it's going to be a little deep. Probably most of our conversations are going to be deep, but today we want to talk about something that we probably all experience, which is that time that we wanted to walk away, but then how we got out of that and how we came to where we yeah. are today. Yeah. I, I think actually what we talked about this, um, with the three of us kind of planning it. And then I started following boss on Instagram and boss does some graphic design stuff. And he had almost a year ago, you drew this, uh, it's a don't quit. And then like color differently was do, what was it? Do it. 
do it right that's it's i was like wait a second is it in quit i can't think right now yeah oh, but that it. image was like dude that was so much of ministry for me still is where you're fighting that right of man i, I want to not be that statistic of a youth leader that's only going to be in the position for two to three years and you have to remind yourself man don't don't walk away don't quit don't don't walk out of this because life comes at you fast and hard in this job and it beats you up pretty fast. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. Um, there's been a lot of times where I've wanted to just quit and walk away and I've been lucky enough to have community around me to draw me out of that. So what you kind of highlighted a little bit and I kind of want to go a little bit deeper in that. What was one of those times that you were like, yeah, I think I'm done. Like what? Yeah, I, I think early, early on, um, there was a moment where I had a leader who, I had a lot of leaders who didn't like the new guy coming in. Um, shocking, it happens. And I was not very sensitive to that. And I think there was a, I, I never told you guys this story, but um, I had a volunteer who, when I came in and I explained, hey, this is what my heart, for worship is in this group is I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. That That's on you. If you want to do that, that's great. But yeah. you feel comfortable to worship how you feel like you want to worship. If you want to sit and pray during worship time, please do. And I walked through all that with my new students. And then I watched this leader go to her group of students and physically raise their hands like actually grab their wrist and lift up their arms and say, no, you need to do this in worship. And man, that fear of conflict to sit that leader down a week into being there and saying like, Hey, this isn't appropriate. And we're not going to do that with me leading in this group. And they immediately said, well, then fine, I'm out. I'm done volunteering here. And so going back to your boss saying like, I've been here for a week and I've already lost three volunteers over this issue. Wow. I wanted to hold to what I knew to be right, but there's that fear of, am I doing this right? And so I think I had a lot of moments like that at the beginning that anybody in the first few years of ministry, I think feel that, that pressure of, I know it's right. How do I do this in the right heart, in the right way? And that scared me a lot. Um, fast forward two years, I had a lot of internships at a lot of different churches and I never lasted more than two years in that role. Really? And when two years came up, just because, you know, whether that internship ended naturally or I moved or whatever that looked like. Um, but when two years came up, I kind of realized I'm not the new guy anymore. And I'm comfortable being the new guy. And now I'm looked at as, hey, now what? You yeah. you, you need to set up and establish what your ruling order feel of youth ministry will look like as if me being in charge is I hate that right I hate it being my youth group because it's not about me and people say that all the time as a youth worker and it's like okay well two years is up and I don't know what to do luckily I have a staff of a ton of ex-youth workers um, as pastors and one of them who's mentoring me noticed this and sat me down and said why are you scared to step into 
what you're called to be doing here? That's a good question. And um, I didn't have an answer. And, And he really pushed at me of, if you can't tell me why you're scared to move forward, then you need to just move forward. And you just need to keep living into what you have in front of you. And I mean, it was so awesome to have him because honestly, I didn't know where I was at. And um, my wife and I talked about this after uh, we did kind of a, a rough draft run through of this podcast. And my wife listened to that and said, dude, I don't remember that. Like you didn't, you didn't share that with me. It's like, no, I absolutely did. But it probably wasn't, I was afraid of those emotions. If, if Brett never came into my office and called that out in me, yeah, I would never have verbalized it that way to her. I would have said, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about what's coming up in the next year rather than, mm-hmm. no, I want to quit and I want to run away because I, I was afraid to even verbalize that, that I had this feeling of walking away. Because um, really? like I said, like that's that. They, when you go through a youth ministry program in college and they tell you, two years, three years is the average run. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be just a statistic of setting up a relationship with students just to walk away and go to the next big thing. Um, so I didn't want to verbalize that to anyone. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a difficult time. I think some of the other big ones that come to mind is parents. Um, yeah it's inevitable that you're going to have conflict with parents. I think anytime you step into a kid's life, some parents love you. Some parents aren't happy with how things are done. And, and personally for me, I want to always partner with that parent. I want to always say like, Hey, how do we do this best? But I clash with parents that expect me to be the sole spiritual influence in their kid's life. I mean, that's that's really good, Nick. So before you go on on that, like, I think kind of, kind of unpack that thought, I think, because I think that that is something that youth pastors struggle with everywhere is that they have this, this natural conflict where people drop their kids off, not saying everybody. So if you're a parent that listens to this, not, if that's not you, great. But I think that there's this natural thing that I hear about in each community when I'm talking to youth pastors is this pressure that they feel mm-hmm. that when they're that every decision that their teen makes is on them because they're the spiritual head or they're the spiritual um, person well, in their life that's supposed to lead them the correct way. So unpack that thought a little bit bit more. Well, you said not everybody, and that's absolutely true. But I will say every group has at least one of these families. And that's fair. That's fair. Has that family that you know the parents are believers, you know they're following Christ, yet our culture has set up this understanding that as a youth leader, as a youth pastor, it's your responsibility, not the parents, which isn't biblical. And when you try and have that conversation of, look, I love your kid, but my focus is going to be um, to the student that maybe doesn't have a family that has a biblical background or maybe is coming with a friend and we have no idea. I'm going to pour into those kids a lot more intentionally than the students that I know have a solid biblical background at home. And not that I don't care for that kid or I don't pay attention to that kid because I do, but I trust those parents that, and they better be stepping in as the spiritual leader as 
talking with their kid at home, hey, what did you learn at youth group? What did you talk about? Let's have a discussion afterwards. But we've got to be on our end prepping our parents to be able to do that. And to be honest, I'm miserable at that. Um, we try to send out, hey, these are our teaching topics. We try and through our parent meetings that we do almost quarterly, hey, please ask your kids, be engaged. But the reality is a lot of them don't. And time is a big part of that. Our culture of being so busy is a big part of that. But the more we interact with parents, the more we equip parents and talk to them about, hey, your kid's faith is your responsibility. And I'm here to help you. I'm not here to combat you. I'm not here to teach them something that you disagree with. I'm going to give them skills and abilities in their faith. And then you get to take them home and live that out with them. I mean, think about this. This is one of my favorite things to say to parents. If every kid comes to every Sunday morning church service for a year, and they come to, let's say, half the midweeks, you're looking at best, what, 70, 80, 90 hours of time that we spend with them. That's good. Yeah. They, we, can't, we cannot teach somebody 90 hours a year what it means to follow Jesus. We can start it, but you got to take it home when you're driving, when you're walking, when you're eating, when you're sleeping. Like every moment at home is a moment for that parent to engage. And how do we equip them to do that? And when you do that, then parents don't want to fight you anymore. And they don't want to question you of, well, why'd you do this at youth group? Or why'd you play that game? They understand, now you got the best at heart for my kid because I know you, I know your heart. And that's where that comes different. Yeah. And especially like when we, I think we as youth leaders, we, I think we take that on, right, of ourselves and we're like, we're supposed to, you know, make the most out of the 90 hours that we have, which is absolutely vital. But we also take it on as like, we, we allow ourselves to put on this, this idea that we are the ones that are going to carry the spiritualness of this student. And we fall into that trap and we think that we're the only ones doing it and not, they're not getting it at home. So. Right. It's a skill, but, right? Like it's a skill to partner with parents. And, and if parents we don't have, know the parents, we can't assume that. So and, that yeah. and another piece of that is that like our 90 hours is nothing compared to the thousands of hours that parents right. have with their child. Like we're net, we're never going to be that. We're never going to have that. And if so, 90, I mean like 90, I think was right. a gracious number. Absolutely right. gracious. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're rounding way up, I think, but you know, I, I background into my life, you know, being a former teacher, I remember that. Like I remember teaching kids in the classroom and remembering like when parents would come in going, why is my kid not reading? And I would have to ask them, when was the last time you read with them? Right. Because if they're only reading when my class then they're not going to be better readers. And so that was a hard, a lot of hard conversations, but that's, that's good conflict. I don't think anybody likes it, but that's good. Right. I think one of the things I would say as a youth leader that changed for me, um, I had an internship that there was ups and downs through that internship, but the one thing I remember that I've taken from that every single time I can is a gut check for me 
if my spot for the first hour of youth group is in the youth group, or not first hour, sorry, like first 15 minutes, I hang out time when everyone's coming in. If I'm staying in the youth room as the youth pastor, I'm in the wrong place. Hmm. That's where, that's where my youth leader should be having relationships with kids. My spot is in the parking lot. My spot is at the door. Even if a parent just drives in and you see the door open, the kid jump out, they slam the door and it drives away. They have eyes on me being there. They see me caring for the kids saying, hi, how's it going? As they're walking in, giving them a high five, but they see me with their kid interacting. And I'm no longer just this figurehead, right? But if I can get past the door to even a wave as they go by, or maybe some Sundays when they say like, hey, I got a question about camp coming up and they lean out the window. Or maybe they park and some come stand next to me and have a conversation. Those are baby steps. So before you, before we go on, because I know you got some, I think you, I think you have one more thing you talk about, but I want to just, this is so rich um, because this is a moment where for you're about to step on stage, quote unquote, um, to speak life into their students or their kids. This is your time to pastor. That is so cool because I get, I get youth pastors all the time. I had a youth pastor just a month ago, ask me and ask a group of youth pastors in the network or a community of youth pastors, literally saying, how are you guys connecting with youth pastors? This is why this podcast is so good because I just got that. I'm going to take that directly to other youth pastors saying, Hey, you need to be in the parking lot reaching parents. That is so good. And here's the thing. When I was his intern, I hated him for that. I would, I would watch him and go, dude, you don't even engage with the students. Why are you not here? And I would Mm. get so frustrated and angry. But now that I'm in ministry, I look back and go, Oh my gosh, dude, I need to check my ego at the door and watch and learn from this guy. He had been doing it for 20 something years plus. And, and I'm sitting there going, well, you don't engage with your kids. No, he was caring for the family. And he was caring for the kids in a way that I didn't even see. And so you've got to watch. I got to watch with an open heart to what's going on there. And, you know, parents, that's a big pain for me um, at times. And, And I've had ups and downs. I've had in some of the biggest, I want to quit moments. I've had parents that I did that well with. They were the ones that said, Hey, we need to, draw you out of this. We need you to, to stick around. We don't want you to leave because we know the impact you have on our family. And that's been, you know, that's way, way more influential to me when a parent says, I need you to stick around for my kid's sake, rather than someone in the office saying, we don't want to go through the search process again to find a new person. Totally. Um, that feels like, feels like you're on top of the world at that point when, especially when a parent of a student comes to you and says, I see the value in you being in my student's life. And I think that gives us that extra boost. And we're like, yep, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to stay here. I'm not going anywhere. Well, yeah. And the truth is most times teachers and youth pastors alike, they're not getting, those students aren't giving them that instant gratification that they need to know that they're being successful. Um, You know, so it's, it's like having that parent say, I need you here. Like mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's a it's lot. such an honor too. Right. Like, right. Where you're like, it, cause 
we don't we don't get to see that. Like that isn't our place, honestly. When you look at the scope of a student's life, and even I think if we went around the room and we shared about somebody pouring into us, they didn't get to see that fruit either. There was just a right. little small deposits along the way that brought us to where we are today. So that's incredible. That's a cool experience. And, and here's the thing, like I wanted to start with those kind of co- concepts because like, okay, so here's the thing. Volunteers, there's good days. There's painful days. Sure. I get that. Parents, there's good relationships. There's painful relationships. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I've, I had a family basically launch like a three year campaign to get me fired. Yeah, because there was a misunderstanding of how we interacted with each other. And I, I, I get that. But those are part of the job. Those are the things that I can plow through and say, yep, this is what I signed up for. Hmm. What, what makes me want to quit more often than not are the things that blindside me. Like are what? the things that come out of nowhere. Um, the, the big one, the biggest for me was uh, about three years ago, I had a 13-year-old student of mine um, in, in the middle school group commit suicide. And, um, you know, again, that's kind of part of the job in Nevada. I knew this was coming in because we are the highest teen suicide rate in the country in our state. Good. And, and that's, that's my testimony as well. I, I was attempting suicide in, in fifth grade. I started doing that. And no, nobody was looking in on that. Why? Because nobody thinks in their mind a fifth grader would be at that point. Yeah. But I was. And, and it was being invited into youth ministry where I felt loved. I felt safe. I felt like I could talk to people in seventh grade. Mind you, when I got invited into that youth ministry in seventh grade, that's where things started to turn around for me. Really? And that's why I'm in ministry. So I knew in the back of my mind, in my heart, that like, look, being a youth pastor in Nevada, this is part of life. But then it blindsides you when it actually happens. And you start to question, did I do good enough for her? Did I make it safe enough for her or did I do something to make her feel like she couldn't talk or she couldn't open up or she couldn't be real with us? And those dark thoughts just start to spiral. Even though a few months prior to this happening, I was sitting with her at camp as she shared with me that she did believe in Jesus, that she knows that there's something he wants from her life, that she has joy and happiness. And you have to realize especially me, I've been there. You can absolutely follow Jesus and have depression and still have a bad day to where you know it to be true. You know him, you trust him, you believe him. But the circumstances at hand seem too much. Wow. And in those moments, there's hard days and there's hard times. And that's where you need community to come around you. I was lucky enough that I had community that I could call on when I struggle with things. And I still do this often when I struggle with suicidal thoughts, because it's, it's persistent in my life. Hmm. I have people I can call on. The question is, did she, I don't know. But the win that I do know is that her little sister and her little brother, that the one that they were the ones that found her 
The first call they made after 911 was to their youth volunteer who, hey, I need need help. I need direction. I don't know what to do. Who do they call at three in the morning? The volunteer in our youth group, who by the way was a volunteer for two months at that moment. He was in high school volunteering in the middle school group. And this is his introduction to what it is that we do, right? We care for students in every part of their life. And sometimes that life is more than we can comprehend or handle. But that's what Christ is for. Yeah. I'll say this. If that's in such a rough situation, to know that they the first call they made was to that volunteer. I mean, that lets you know a little bit that the youth group process works, that the community of the church works. Um, And and straight up volunteers, if you stumble across this, this um, podcast, you're the real MVP. And your youth pastor hasn't told you, we'll tell you, um, youth pastors, if you hear this, make sure you, your volunteers know that they're the real MVPs. Um, they might not have the microphone as much, but they're the ones making impact for sure. And understand that if you're a volunteer, your youth pastor knows that there's a burden on your life. And, and you don't need to hide that and say like, well, this student talked to me and, and I need to carry this weight now. No, talk to, talk to the one that's there, paid to be there to take care of you, whether it's a lot or a little. They're the one on staff to take care of you, to that's walk good. through this. With you. Youth pastors, find someone now up the chain in however you think that in your mind for you to go and talk to. For me, it was some of my volunteers. Some of my volunteers were the first ones I went to. Like, guys, I don't know how to process this. It's bringing back my depression, my fears, my anxieties. I need to decompress. So I had some of my volunteers that mentor me and care for me. I had the very next morning, our area national network um, network meeting. We met once a month. Okay. Wednesday night, I find out that she's committed suicide. Thursday morning, I'm in a room with 25 youth pastors from our valley. Wow. And they're saying, hey, man, something's off. How can we be here for you? How can we walk through this with you? And when I get the call saying from the parents, we want you to be the one doing the memorial service. And I had never done one before. I'm freaking out. I'm back to that network of guys saying, help me. I've never done this. Help me figure out how to do this respectful of the family who, to be honest, there was a, when you're thrown into that pain, it's hard to process that. And so when you've got a a split home before this happens, all of a sudden fingers start pointing of who's at fault for the decision she made. Mm. And it became a battle around that. How do you minister for that family saying, I understand why you're throwing stones because you don't know how to grasp this. I don't either. Let's walk through this together. Yeah. What? Okay. So you've touched on it a little bit, but I think we really want to focus in on talking about, about this process of you coming out of this pain that you were carrying 
and this experience that you went through. Mm -hmm. What was it that you talked about this group? What were those types of experiences that brought you? So in other words, like that's a lot of what made me not quit. Well, yeah. What refilled you? What refilled me? Yeah, no, I, I think just knowing somebody cares enough to hear you mourn knowing somebody is going to walk alongside you in the moment that they understand my role because they're in my role and they can, they might not know the feelings I'm going through or the pain that I'm going through, but their community in that network of people coming together to say, we're here for you. We can conceive of what's going on. We understand what's going to be coming next because we've done this either before or part of this or man, we know it's going to come down the line for us too someday. When you understand life together, there's, there's that community of support that is the exact same thing that all of us are trying to support, set up for our students, right? Yeah. If we have small group ministry, if we follow Christ, we're saying, look, you can't do this alone. And we're here to say we love you. We understand that you struggle. We understand that Jesus loves you. And we want to work on this together. If that's what you want for your kids, man, don't you want that for yourself? And you've got to have that. So in your story, you talked about how in fifth, sixth grade, you experienced these suicidal thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you enter into a youth group, you enter into a community there. Yeah. That helped, that walked alongside of you and embraced you at that moment and said, we're with you. As a youth leader, you experience this from a student. It triggers other things in your mind to take you back to that time. But you went the less than 24 hours after that, you went back into another community that embraced you and said, we're with you. We're not leaving. We're here for you. As you reflect back on that, what is that? Where where does your mind go? What does that take you to when you think about that similarities in your life? Yeah. I, I was about to say, well, it's so different each time because in seventh grade, when I was welcomed into that community, no one knew that I struggled with that. I was so ashamed. I was so not wanting anyone to know about that. But the fact that I walked in as, by the way, if you have that kid in your youth group, that as a leader, you just want to throw them at the wall because they are so annoying. That was me. Okay. So like every Mm -hmm. time I have that kid that I just struggle with loving, I have to remember I was that kid and someone chose to love me through my just screaming for attention in any way possible because of what I was going through. And, Mm -hmm. and that was my outlet was just look at me, look at me, look at me. And then now, right? Like I'm comfortable sharing with people that, man, yeah, I struggled with some major stuff. I still struggle with a lot of this stuff. I'm comfortable talking about that. I don't need the attention on me, but I know the similarities is this. People saw me Mm. and they listened to me and they wanted the best for me. Mm. Now, two of the guys were in the room 
at the same time in both those instances in my life. Wow. Two of two of my volunteer leaders that were leading me when I was in seventh grade are now like the two longest running youth pastors in our valley. And like they're those guys that again, twenty not twenty, like ten years later, when I told them that's what I was going through at that time, and I'm so thankful that you cared for me then, they were blown away. They had no idea that was in my past. But those, those were the same two guys that were in the room when I said, man, they said like, look, Nick, you, there's something off on me today. Hmm. They've been there through that growth. They've, they've been there through that life of mine walking alongside with me. And now when I'm in ministry going on, you know, eight years now, I'm kind of seen as the old guy in the city of Sparks as the one that's been doing this. And, and that's my role with, the network that I'm in for our city, just our, just Sparks network. And my role is looking at these guys saying like, I see you. When that parents beating you down and you don't know how to love on them. I see you. I hear you. I know where you've been. And if, if networks are like that, you can't lose. That's good. So you, so things that refill you, you are just talking about like a network or community of youth pastors that see you and I actually live through moments with you, uh, the yeah. highs and the lows. What are some other things? Do you have any other things that fill you up in these times? Well, well, that's me. I'm such an extrovert that just spending time with people to the point where like, you know, I've got my small group of men on Monday night. I've got two networks locally. I've got you guys like nationally. People is what recharge me. And if I miss, say I miss my Monday night men's group, because of my daughter's being sick or my wife being sick or me being sick or something like that. My wife will fight to kick me out of the house saying, no, you need to be with people to recharge. Hmm. So you need to go. That's my personality. On the flip side, um, I'm, I need exercise and I f- refuse the exercise. I'm just a lazy person at the core of who I am, but I used to be a swimmer. And so when things hit the fan in the worst way possible, my spot is get in the water, start doing laps because it's quiet, it's silent, and I can pray. Um, I can remember when that Thursday I left from that that network meeting, when I found out I had lost a student, I went straight to a pool. Um, It was at like my parents have a pool and they have a speaker system. So I'm cranking like 90s, worship right where i became a christian where that just drives straight to my soul um cranking the 90s worship and just swimming laps and just bawling my eyes out for a good three hours wow and then getting out and saying okay how do i step forward today hmm. um but yeah main, mainly community is the big big thing for me so so you know people are listening to this and and they can't see you but you know i i, I kind of feel that you like escalated in your, in your pain a little bit. And some of the things that you were talking about, you know, you talked about fear of, you know, mm-hmm. do I step into this? You talked about conflict with either volunteers or, or parents. And then you talked about a law like loss, you know, death of a student. You know, I see those things that doesn't really matter who's listening to this. I think that we probably, what makes us want to leave youth ministry is probably has falls into at least one of those three areas loss, conflict, or fear. And 
for you to put those in your, in, in to, to see that you put those into words in a story, especially when you hit that loss. Um, right. Like I said, I can see you because we're on a Zoom call, so I can see you. Um, and that that was hard. Um, and I, I, I think even our listeners will be able to even hear some of that pain still. Yeah, you've, you said in that pool, how do I get through today? Um, mm-hmm. That was three years ago, and we can still hear that pain. Just because, just because you've gotten through one day after another doesn't mean that you forget, right? So. Right. You go back from even this conversation, right, to some of those people, and you lean on them and saying, hey, I, this wound kind of got to re-expose. I need to right. talk again. And I used to come back in the office every Monday and watch the Youth Ministry Garage podcast, right? Like, I come in and just be like, okay, I need to just hear that, like, youth ministry works. I need to just see <laughs> that somebody made it through this. And, yeah. like, that was – I, I can remember, I mean, one of the things that they always talked about on that podcast was if you laugh, then who cares about the rest of this podcast? We made you laugh today. And I can remember just be blaring that and just be laughing in my office and having bosses look at me like, what are we paying you to do? And it's like, no, I need that recharge to get through the next week. And, and honestly, like, as we've talked about this podcast, that's what I hope this is for someone mm. that they can... And that podcast, like I said, it's great. It got me through a lot of dark times, but that podcast is really about how do you do youth ministry better? Yeah. And I just, that's, it's great for what it is. I hope that this podcast is, man, how do you do ministry as you and how do you take care of you and how do you recharge you? And we want to look at you, not your group, you, you're, you were hired or you were paid or you volunteer in your group because God puts you in that place and you're going to do great because our fears are founded in the enemy pushing against us. And if we remember to who we Come were on, created preach. to be and why we're in the place we're called to be yep. and we can stay there, that's great. But the reality is my mind doesn't stay there and I listen to the lies of the enemy. That's where I need this to recharge me. That's where I need you two to recharge me personally. That's where I need my community, my network to come in and say, don't listen to that lie. Remember who you are, what you're doing. That's the recharge. That's the refill I need. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Wow. That was good. That was really good. Yeah. Amen. I feel like I could just like take on the world. I'm like, let's go. That's my encouragement for the day. Here we go. (laughs) Every time we've talked about this podcast, that's how I leave these conversations with you guys. I'm like, let's go. Let's go do. Let's pour back it. Wow. That's good. Well, we hope, we hope other people when they listen to this, it's again, this is, it's not about me or boss. It's a, it's about the fact that we talk that, that we air out those real issues, fear, loss, conflict. You just aired those things out yet from that pain came energy and came, you know, victory. Therefore you are going like, all right, put me back in the boat. Like, let's go do this thing. You know what I mean? And that is what we hope other people go. Like I said, this is not about boss. It's not about me. It's about identifying those real topics, the the stuff quote unquote that Mm -hmm. youth pastors maybe don't talk about. 
typically sure. don't share with other people. So that's what this space should be. It's a, it's a safe place for youth pastors to be real. In, in this group, in this setting, we're, we're not going to fire you for being a real person because we're not on your staff and we can't do that, but we can love you for being a real person. Amen. So, That's so true. all that, all that being said, remind, or just a reminder, focus on refilling yourself, finding something. Nick's was podcasts and exercise and, and a network or community of, of youth pastors that he can lean on that are in the same boat. He is focus on refilling yourself as much as you're pouring out. You are pouring out. You might not feel like you're pouring out, but trust me when I tell you, if you run dry, those kids will suffer and you're not going to lead the way God called you to lead. Hmm. Yeah. And we, yeah, I mean, that's a great point because we want this podcast to be a free refill for everybody, anybody listening, um, especially the youth worker out there who is hurting, who feels like they're running dry. Like we want this place to be some sort of, something in your ear space that such a great term is that a good i just came up with that but we want that to be a something that like refills you and refuels you and re-energizes you to carry on and to keep going so that you can thrive and not just survive Mm. if you're out there you're listening we are stoked and just honored that you allowed us into your ear space i'm gonna say it again Nice. It's a thing now, but we're stoked that you allowed us to be there. And if there's some sort of value that you got from this, let us know. We want to hear from you. So email us, write us at podcast at nnym.org. We'd love to have that conversation and connect with you. Also, we're going to put some things in the show notes on, on how to connect with Nick. Maybe you heard some things and you want to continue a conversation with him. Maybe you were able to relate with some of the stuff you heard about his experience. We're going to put all that stuff in the show notes, different links and things like that to connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. Well, as we sign out, just remember, the more we're refilled, the more we can pour out. Yeah. Have a good week, month, year. Hopefully it's just a month and you come back. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Peace. Stay blessed.